This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Need a Bible? Great. Raise your hand or ushers would get you one. Once you get your Bible, go with me to 2 Kings 4. 2 Kings chapter 4 is where we'll begin today. We're still on our Holy Spirit series, actually the last week of this, and then you saw next week we'll begin to get into the fear of the Lord. We're going to enter today, or end today with a part of the Holy Spirit that I believe really, really will impact you, so open up your heart to the Word of God. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, every tree is known by its fruit. And so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit, but the impressions that we leave on other people. And the impressions that I leave on other people, are they like Christ or are they so dislike Christ? And you hear this often, first impressions are lasting impressions. And so I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do a work within every one of us today where we understand I, I have an assignment here on this earth and it's to impact other people. Begin with me, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman, a prominent woman, an affluent woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. So through Elisha's travels, he frequently went through this place. Now it said here that she persuaded him to come in and eat food. You know, with most men, you don't have to persuade him very much. All you gotta do is have a little food out there and they'll come. But I believe her desire was for him to come and almost like she insisted, come in here and eat. Verse nine. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God. Now, this is an interesting statement here. She said, I, I know that he is a holy man of God. I'm, I'm sure that he's a holy man of God. But how did she know that? I can't find anywhere in the, in the scriptures where Elisha says, hey, I'm a prophet. Hey, I'm the man of God. I believe the way she knew for certain that he was this holy man of God was because of his actions, his behavior, his integrity, his character. And so right here, it's very clear to me that Elisha he left his imprints or an impression upon this woman in a godly manner. Now, I'm not going to take you through the rest of this chapter, but verse 15, 16, 21, 22, 25, 27, all say this, the man of God. The man of God. Now, Elisha didn't call himself that. That's what the Bible said he was. And so it just shows me there's something in this guy that, that was a difference maker. Something in him distinguished, and I believe what it was, I believe the Holy Spirit was working in his life. Turn with me back in the New Testament, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and what you'll begin to see here, the Holy Spirit's desire is to incorporate his nature into every one of us. And the way the Holy Spirit does that, it's not man-made. It only comes from the Spirit of the living God. And so again, I, I want to show you very clear today some things that I believe the Bible is going to speak to us. James 5, James 4, verse 5, excuse me. James 4, verse 5. 
Or do you think that's the scriptures say in vain? Does the scripture, does the Bible mean nothing to you? Now the word vain there means no purpose or it's useless. So we say, do you really think the scriptures are useless, they're in vain? Now I think he, he's going to continue his thought there because he says, the Spirit or the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, he yearns jealously. He yearns intently, or intensely for you. He pursues you relentlessly. So he's telling us here, do you believe the things that the Spirit of God are useless? That they have no purpose? He goes on to say in verse 6, but he gives more grace. He pours out more grace, the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud. God opposes the proud. And if you study the scriptures, this is the only time you find where God opposes humanity. He doesn't oppose the liar. He doesn't oppose the murderer. He doesn't oppose the drunk. But he does oppose the proud. And the reason he opposes the proud is because the author of being prideful was the devil himself. And so when he gets over on this, I, I believe one of the main reasons he does this is, is pride makes us self-centered. And it's this fraudulent existence that's this twisted combination that we begin to think, whoo, look at my accomplishments, look at my achievements, and also, why don't you throw in there the opinions of other people about me, and before long, guess what? You, you become pride, prideful. You become self-centered, the God of me. And one of the greatest symptoms of the God of me is arrogance. And arrogance leads to this thing called self-idolizing. And self-idolizing leads to a word you hear more and more in our society called narcissist or narcissism, which literally means selfish, conceited, and egotistical. egotistical. Now, it's very easy to say, you know, I know some people like that. But is that people you know that's like that? Is that the one you're looking at in the mirror? Woof. So it's interesting right here that God would oppose the proud. Which when you read the, the self-centered and all, those are just cheap imitations that the world offers, okay? But look how he ends this. But God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the ones that are humble. The cure for pride is the robe of humility. And I believe something happens when we ask the Lord to begin to work that in us, that we would live with the robe of humility. Now, turn to, to uh, Matthew chapter 12 with me. Matthew 12, and so the Holy Spirit, he, he breathes and he births humility in every one of us. 
And you think about the Lord Jesus that when he walked the earth, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 10, 38. But think about this. Did you ever hear Jesus walking around places and saying, hey, did I tell you I was the son of God? Hey, did I? You never see Jesus doing that. And remember what we started with in Matthew 7. The Lord Jesus said, every tree would be known by its fruit. So I want to read one verse here, Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, Again, Jesus won't force us to come after him. But he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him completely reject himself. Disown your own life. Forget himself and his own interest. Now, if we look back to the very start of this verse, Jesus said to his disciples, if you desire to, to come after me, you must deny yourself. Now, it's interesting right here. He didn't say promote yourself, which is very big in our society right now. But the Lord Jesus said specifically, let him deny himself. Wow. How are we doing? And he goes on to say, and take up his cross and anytime you're taking up the cross, you know what that literally means? I'm going to have to die to myself. And then he said, and follow me. Continually surrender to Jesus. And the way I do that is I renounce these self-centered ambitions. And so pride says, show yourself, promote yourself. But humility says, deny yourself. Now in John 3, the Lord Jesus said he must increase and we must decrease. We must diminish. So I look at this and I think, which one of these describes me more? Do I promote myself or do I deny myself? Now look with me in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and you may say, man, we've been in Galatians a bunch. We have. Galatians 5, you know, in Galatians 5, 16 it says, if you walk with the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But we're not going to be in that. We're going to be a little farther along today. And we're going to reveal some of the, the things that the Holy Spirit does on the inside of us. And I believe the reason he does this, he wants us to leave our impressions on this world. He wants to impress us with impressions that will change other people. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit accomplished and produced by the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes. Now, the reason I highlight this it's only something that the Holy Spirit can do on the inside of us. These, these virtues are characterized by fruit, and there's varied expressions here. Now, let's look at these. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if we were to go through those nine, and you had to ask yourself this question, what's my love level? Well, I'm about a court love. How's my peace? How's my joy? And so it's interesting right here that the Apostle Paul, he says, the fruit of the Spirit. So when you think of fruit, there's different levels with fruit. So you see a tree, and it's got some leaves on it. And before that long, those leaves start turning into these little blossoms. And before long, these little blossoms start turning into fruit. But yet the fruit isn't mature. The fruit isn't ripe yet. And so there's some stages of this stuff called fruit. And so maybe today you're in here and the fruit in your life, it may just be a leaf. You know what that means? You're farther along than you used to be. And maybe it's a blossom. You know what? If it's a blossom, that tells me you're still moving forward. And maybe it turns into this fruit, but the ultimate goal is that it ripens and it comes into full maturity. So when you look at the different translations of the fruit of the Spirit, every one of them will start with love. And they end with the word called self-control. But in many translations for the word self-control is a word called meek or meekness. The word meek has the meaning of humility. It has the meaning of low. It has the meaning of submissive. It's not just a person's actions outwardly. But something starts happening in the inside of me, and so I, I become where I'm content with just who I am. And what I mean by that is I don't have to go around telling everybody all my titles, all my achievements. So the nine gifts of the fruit, you start with love and you end with meek, and I believe those are the bookends. Now, when I learn to live with, with love and I learn to live meek or with humility, everything else within them functions off those two. Now, look what he goes on to say. And those who are Christ, those who belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh. You know what that means? You've died to yourself. You've died to this human nature. But he doesn't stop there. With its passions and desires and its appetites. We got to die to every bit of that. Verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is our source, let us also walk in the Spirit, where my conduct is controlled by the Holy Spirit, that I walk on the path that he's laid down. Now, it's interesting when you talk about the, the fruit of the Spirit, because these virtues are characterized by fruit in contrast to works. 
because only the Holy Spirit can produce them, not your own efforts, okay? So if you want the fruit of the Spirit to start happening in your life, what would happen if we begin to welcome the Holy Spirit? What would happen if I begin to welcome, birth in me love? Birth in me constraint. But birth in me compassion. Birth in me a willingness to stick with things. Have you ever been dominated by something? I've been dominated by stuff. And some of it wasn't good things. But I would welcome the, the, the Holy Spirit to birth within me self-control. That constraint. Where I say, I can do this through you, Holy Spirit. But he doesn't end there. Verse 26. And let us not become conceited, boastful or arrogant, looking down on others, provoking one another and envying one another. You know what those two mean? That you're always comparing people. And by my comparing other people, I diminish the value of other people. Have any of you ever done that? I do that. Sometimes I jump to conclusions with people. Sometimes I have this thing called a speculation with people. And so sometimes, you know, my conclusions and my speculations, they're way off target. And so I welcome the Holy Spirit to begin to move in me and to move in you. And so when you read about the fruits of the Spirit, I want you to look at this little bitty analogy that I believe will help you. Let's just say every one of us in here, every one of us, all of us, we're light bulbs. Every one of us are a light bulb. And when the Holy Spirit is flowing through me, I light up. I beam with the things of the Spirit of God. But when the Holy Spirit's not flowing through me, my light bulb is out and I become very dark. Or there's a third category. Is your light bulb burned out? Do you just need a new touch of God? And so I heard this long ago, but I still believe it's the truth. Is there many people you know that are not Christians because you are? Wow. That kind of hurt. So what would happen if we begin to say, Lord, do a work within us. Holy Spirit, work within me. Flow through me. Now I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel 9, and the reason I'm going to this is because this is one of the greatest examples in the Bible that I've found what it looks like when the operation or the fruit of the Holy Spirit is working through love and humility within us. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I pray that you, you read this and you see this through the lens of the Holy Spirit. Now just get ready, okay? I believe this is going to impact us today. 2 Samuel 9 verse 1. Now David said... Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? What's kindness? 
That was one of the fruits of the Spirit. And it's interesting that he says, I want to show them kindness. But there's a little more into this verse that you need to see. Because it starts out and it says, David. But literally stated, this is King David. And when you're the king, everybody comes to play homage to you. They come to bow before you. They come to honor you. But in this sense, King David has the robe of humility. He has meekness to an incredible level here because he said, I want to show kindness. Verse 2. And there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Now it's interesting, he says, I want to show him the kindness of God. I want the, the impressions of God to flow out of me. So you know what King David says right there? I want to be the Lord's hands. I want to be the Lord's feet. I want to be the Lord's mouth. I, I want to show them kindness. And the God kind of kindness, it's, it's unconditional. The God kind of kindness is colorblind. And so King David says, I want to show them the kindness of God. And we keep reading, and he said, and Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan. Now, I stop right there. There's still a son of Jonathan. Now, he could have stopped right there. But he doesn't. And look what he says. Who's lame in his feet. By the way, king, He's lame in his feet. He's messed up. He's, he's all jacked up. And in this servant named Ziba's eyes, you know what he's saying to King David? Don't, don't waste your kindness on this guy. But when you study why this guy is lame in his feet, at the age of five, he was dropped. And I wonder how many people we come across daily and weekly, and I wonder how many people come right here in this sanctuary this morning that have been dropped. And maybe it's messed with you physically, but how many people have been dropped in their heart? They've been dropped in their soul where they have this thought. Who would even miss me if I wasn't here? And so Ziba throws this, and, and you can tell he throws King David a curveball, and he's trying to get King David where he realizes and says, you know what, maybe he's right. Maybe we ought to change his mind. But that's not what happens. Keep reading, verse 4. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Meshir, the son of Emil in Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Meshur, the son of Emil, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and he prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered and he said, Here's your servant. And David said to him, 
do not fear. So I want you to get the picture. This guy named Ziba goes and gets him and says, hey, the king wants to see you. And when Mephibosheth comes into his presence, he drops, prostrated himself face down. And, and he didn't do that out of honor. He did it out of fear because King David said to him, do not fear. And so you know what the fear in his life was? What are you going to do to me? Are you going to ridicule me? Are you going to make fun of me? Are you going to tell jokes about me too? But King David said, I don't want you to fear. I don't want that to take place. Now listen to the wording real carefully here. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. I will surely show you. He didn't say, I'm just going to talk about it. He said, I'm going to show you kindness. You know, when I read that, you know, it just jumps out. The fruit of the Spirit is moving in King David. And you know why I believe some of this has happened? Because he's humble. He's like, just use me, Father God. Many of you will remember years ago, the old statement on phones. I, I think it was at and he'd say, just reach out and touch somebody. Whew. What would happen if we begin to live by that? Just reach out and touch somebody. But have we got so selfish? Where my day, my life is about me and my wife, my two kids, us four and no more, we become so selfish. But what about me? What about me? But what would happen if we just reach out and touch somebody? What would happen if we would say, you know what, today, Holy Spirit, grace me, birth within me the fruit of the Spirit, because I have a desire to reach out and touch somebody, whether with, with goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness, with the love of God. But he doesn't stop there, and he said, I want to restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. I, I want to restore. A, a lot of times when we, we use the word restore, the thing that jumps into me is, is old cars. And people restore old cars. Why would we restore an old car? Because it's still got value. And when King David said, I want to restore, you know what King David said? You still got value. And some people say, well, it's too late to restore me. They've already gave me over to the salvage yard. But you know, just if you're at the salvage yard, it's not over for you either because guess what? At the salvage yard, somebody still wants your parts. You still got some value. And it's interesting that he said, even though I, I, I believe you don't think you have value, I see value. He said, on top of that, you get to eat at my house all the time. Verse 8. Then Mephibosheth bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Wow. Why would you regard 
a dead dog. Why would you even notice a dead dog like me? I'm a failure. I've let too many people down. I've disappointed too many people. I'm beyond fixing. I've made such a mess of me. And it's interesting, he said, I'm nothing more than a dead dog. And I wonder how many people in this sanctuary right now have that feeling. I'm inadequate. I'm a failure. I was the first one voted off the island. I was the last one chosen in dodgeball. Why would you waste your time on me? And I highlight this because how many people come in here on Sunday mornings, little children that have been dropped? There's a young girl that comes to church here. I mean, a little bitty guy. She's, she's still in the downstairs classroom. There's a lot of Wednesday nights I like to stand right out here in this hallway. And one of the reasons I do is because I get to witness this little girl. And when she makes the corner at the far end, you would think she's in the world championships of the track going on this week. Here she comes. And she runs into the arms of Dora and Ramona. And she knows they'll love her unconditionally. Her mom doesn't come here. Her dad doesn't come here. But every time she comes here, she's been made to feel special. I remember one Wednesday night that they they thought they were going to have to send her home. Because her little head had lice in it. Someone that's been dropped. And I hear stories every week of teenagers coming in here that have been dropped. Just notice me. Just notice me. Young adults that come in here that battle suicide. Just notice me. Adults that come in here That their life has been nothing but, I'm just a dead dog. And when I say that, I, I like, Lord, put your impressions in me. Grace me, Father God, to see people through your eyes and through your tears. And so he says this, and King David responds. And the king called to Zib to Saul's servant. He said to him, I give unto your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all his house. You therefore and your sons, your servants, shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. 
Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all my lord, the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. You know what King David said? I'm going to make sure he feels welcome. Even though he has flaws, I'm going to make sure he feels welcome. What a great story as far as the love of God and the humility of God. Just stand up here. Just humbly, I ask you this right now. What's the fruit on your tree? And you know, when you get born again, that doesn't make pride stop or diminish. Pride just gets a new face. And oftentimes I've seen Christians notoriously for being arrogant, conceited, religious, better than thou, critical. You know, we, we beat each other up as Christians. If God is my father and you're my brother, and why can't we bother to really reach out and love one another? And the Lord did a work in me months ago at the Men of Iron, and I told this in the first story. I mean, not the first story, the first service. Right here on this front row at the Men of Iron, there were four men there. Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday night. We would be singing, and we'd be worshiping God, and this is what they'd do the whole time. And I thought, what's up with these fellas? After the Friday night session, I went and I said, is this you guys' first time to be here? And they said, no, this is our second time. It's his fifth time. And they said, we love the men of God. We love the men of our, we'll never miss it again. And I said, what town are you from? And they said, we live in Lubbock. I said, where do you go to church? Saint somebody, I don't remember the saint's name. Saint Andrew, maybe, Catholic Church. And you know what I realized that night? Those Catholic men loved Jesus as much as I did. And sometimes we as Christians, we thought, our theology, nobody else is right but us. Our theology is we're the only ones going to heaven, not. After the first service, I'm standing right here. This elderly man comes up and says, I want to give you a hug. And he hugs me and he said, I'm Catholic. 
he said, I come to your church quite often with my daughters. And he said, I appreciate what you said. Wow. See, what's the fruit on my tree? What impressions are you leaving? You know, sometimes I, I got a jillion stories about my life and what's happened. 20 years ago, we were in East Lubbock over on Briarcroft Court, right off of 50th and Q. And I'm speaking one Sunday's morning, and when you speak, you see a lot of activity. You can see people moving and stuff. And I'm speaking one Sunday morning, and this guy comes in really, really late in the service. And it's very apparent he doesn't have a Sunday best on. Can I tell you about Sunday best? Just wear what you have to come here, okay? Because I realize sometimes what people have on is all they have. And I welcome you. After the service, the guy said he wanted to talk to me. Well, the man of faith and power that I am, I jump to conclusions like I'm good at. And you know what I think? All he wants is money. So he comes up and he gets real close to me. His clothes are bad. He smells like a dumpster. Smells like urine. Smells like he hadn't been bathed in days. And I said, what can I do for you? And he said, I need to give Jesus that one you talked about today, my heart. I shrunk. And the Lord said to me that day, he said, don't you ever forget I died for that smell. You begin to kind of see a little bit why we need the fruit of the Spirit. So much of the time when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we we want the Holy Spirit to come upon us so we can say, look at me. Woo, look at me. But God's design is the fruit of the Spirit comes in where we can say, look at Him. Look what He still does. I ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. And if you're here this morning, if you need to give Jesus your heart today, I'm going to give that invitation first of all. Ooh, I welcome you right now to come. Just get out of your seat and make your way down here if that's you. If you need to give your heart to Jesus, Let me ask you something today. Are you at a place in your life where you say, Lord, I I need to quit promoting me. I need to deny me. And Holy Spirit, I welcome you to work in me today. Welcome the fruit. And you know what? Out of those nine fruits, you may be depleted in every one of them. That's okay. 
But what would happen if we were like, Ooh, Holy Spirit, I, I welcome your fruit today. I, I welcome love today. I welcome holiness. I welcome meekness. Just with every head bowed and eye closed. As a light bulb. Do you shine bright with Jesus' love? Do you just flicker? Or are you completely out and burned out? See, when I read these scriptures, I realize, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you bad. I, I, I need to, to be filled with you. I need the fruit to come alive within me. And so as our team begins to, to sing here, I welcome you to these altars where you come and say, Fill me fresh, Holy Spirit. I, I welcome the fruit of the Spirit in my life today. I welcome you to put your heart within me. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.